Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. In today's episode, we talk about how you can approach a social media strategic plan. We all know it's not just about posting as much as you possibly can on every channel that's out there, but how do you identify the best place to be, the best content, and how to beat out every other group that's vying for your members' attention? We've got a great guest today to help answer some of these questions. Our guest is Kim Jones, partner and senior vice president at Willow Marketing. Willow Marketing is a full-service marketing agency based in Indianapolis. After 15 years at Willow, Kim has now worked on just about every type of marketing strategy that you can imagine, including rebranding, product service launches, non-dues revenue campaigns, membership recruitment and retention campaigns, fundraising, digital strategies, and more. She directs the day-to-day operations at Willow, oversees service delivery, and leads strategy on key accounts. She has extensive experience working with member associations, trade associations, and certification bodies. Welcome, Kim. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nick. I'm so excited to be here talking to the lovely ISAE folks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could not have picked maybe a better person to help talk about this. Uh, It seems you've done a few things around marketing. Just a few. I mean, when you've been around for 15 years, you touch just about everything. And the beauty of working at an agency that gets to work with um, associations is you get to see lots of different types of projects and different types of strategies. So excited to be here and talk with you. Yeah. And I think many of our association marketing professionals probably feel that way. They, they work on a lot of different campaigns, you know, they may represent a smaller staff. And so they're utilizing all the kinds of resources that they can get their hands on. And so I'm happy to chat with you a little bit about how we can maybe help them reframe thinking about some of their own communications. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's so much under that umbrella of marketing and communications that, um, and communications uh, is involved in everything that associations do. Um, So uh, those marketing folks are touching a lot and seeing a lot and have to be adaptable and know a lot about a lot of things. Not an easy task. No. So as we think about um, specifically social media, um, and I think that's kind of where we want to focus today's conversation. Again, marketing and comm is a pretty wide area. So let's kind of dig in here on that piece, because I think there's a lot of times our marketing folks get the, we'll just put that up on Facebook right? or just post that on LinkedIn. If we just had more likes and more followers, we'd be more successful. So as we think generally about social media communication right now, what kind of trends are we seeing um, just kind of in the comm space, but then maybe more specifically within the association world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, five years ago, I would have said social media is what it is and what it sounds like. It's a social platform. It's intended for people to be social with their friends and their networks. Um, And what we're seeing with social is that it is evolving to be so much more than just a social platform. Um, In fact, the big trend that we're seeing right now with social media is that it's really becoming an entertainment platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really evolving to be something um, that's more than just catching up with what your friends are doing, um, but it's more where people are spending their time consuming content. Um, so they are seeking content that's going to make them smarter, make them better at their jobs, make them feel more um informed about a particular topic of interest to them. For some people, it's just about feeling inspired and and laughing and feeling entertained. 
Um, you know, we all do it. We probably all have our um, phones sitting with us while we've got the TV playing in the background. And we're probably scrolling through our social media, watching content, reading content, looking to be entertained while we're sitting in front of an entertainment <laughs> device right there with us. Um, so that's the big trend that we're seeing. I mean, Instagram has just recently made some big announcements about their focus as a platform. Um, you've probably seen this, that Instagram Reels is a big focus for them now. Um, they're trying to keep up with the TikToks of the world, you know, now that they're owned by Facebook. Um, they're trying to reach that younger audience. So that entertainment um, focus with Reels and selling. Instagram has now has a tab specifically where you can go and see things for sale um, and easily purchase from brands and influencers uh, that you engage with. And I think that's the other trend that we're seeing a lot of is um, influencers are huge. They are the new celebrity advertising way, uh, advertising medium that we used to see. Um, you know, brands are using influencers to create user-generated content for their brands. Gen Zers are following more um, influencers than they are brands. So they're, mm -hmm. they're looking to get information through um, those influencers and they trust them. Um, so we're seeing brands try to figure out how do I use influencers? Who are the influencers? Um, you know, in the association space, that's that's something we talk to a lot of clients about is who are the influencers in your space? Are there particular uh, folks who are well-respected in the industry, have large followings on social media, are already talking about the type of content that's really relevant to your members, that they could add some context from their perspective for your brand? So yeah, I think those are some of the major uh, trends that we're seeing in social, I think it's evolving to become a much different, uh, platform than, you know, what it launched to be and only to be social. So. Yeah. So it sounds like it's something that has evolved and will continue to, right. So what even it looks like today is probably not what it's going to look like in a year from now. I um, mean, absolutely. I mean, there's even platforms today that weren't here before the pandemic or weren't didn't, uh, didn't have as much of a user base. Um, you know, the TikToks and now Clubhouse is a big one that mm. probably a lot of associations are exploring as, uh, is this a platform that we should be looking into? Um, so yeah, new platforms are going to come about. I think with augmented reality and all those things, you know, who knows what the future is going, going to look like with some of those tools. Yeah, so with all of these channels, all of these options that we kind of have at our disposals, how do, how do we keep up as association professionals with the expectations of our, our clients, our members, our consumers, depending on how you want to call them, right? Because I think they're all of those things at the same time. But how do we meet their expectations when we compare ourselves to, you know, the big brands that are out there, right? I think we see the Nikes, the, you know, the Google, the Best Buys, all those kinds of brands that we would purchase from, we see their incredible social media right. and our members, I think, expect us to have the same thing. So how do we keep up with that in yeah. general? Yeah, Nick, that's a great question and <laughs> such a hard challenge for organizations <laughs> that, you know, have, uh, have small staffs and 
you know, this is one of about 20 things on your on your daily list of things to think about. So it's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, our advice is always to that less is really more here. I mean, you don't need to be on every platform. You don't need to be posting multiple times a day. Um, it's more about making an impact. Um, so the important thing is to truly understand who your target audience is are, you know, those, those members, those prospective members, those other key stakeholders for your um, association and understand where they're spending their time, what type of content they're seeking, what their pain points are. Um, I mean, that's really the most important thing to understand so that you can build a strategy that's going to have you spending your time and effort and energy where it's going to make an impact. It's going to make a difference. It's going to push that needle. It's going to um, you know, do the work that you need it to do for you. So that's always my advice is to, you know, if you've got one platform and you do one platform really well, you know, that's what you should do. And if that's where your membership is, start there. I think the other thing we've seen a lot of success with, with associations is to engage the membership as a part of helping you create content. Mm. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about influencers, but you know, one one success story that I have is uh, we work with the Board of Cer- Certification for Emergency Nursing. So they're the certifying body for emergency nurses. Um, and they launched Instagram two years ago and were struggling to just come up with fresh new content that would be, you know, a little bit different than what they're posting on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, so we created what we call the BC and Instacrew. Um, and we recruited uh, 12, mem- 12 certified nurses who were already posting about emergency nursing certification or studying for exams or talking about the value of continuous learning in the field of emergency nursing. People that were already out there, you know, talking about it had large followings. Um, and we recruited them for free to come help produce content for us. We sent them some some goodies. We sent them some content we'd love them to talk about. And that thing has just blown up um, that we've been doing it now for two years. We've had uh, several different rounds of who those Instacrew folks mm-hmm. are. Um, and it's just been you know, a way to create content that doesn't require staff to always do that. Um, so I think that's, that's one way that you can engage your membership in helping you. They're going to know the type of content too mm-hmm. that uh, other members are going to be seeking, so they can be a really helpful uh, resource for that. In the in the example you're giving, how how does a staff member, um, I guess maybe let go of some of that control around mm-hmm. that? You know, I think many of our marketing professionals they really they protect the brand, right? That's what they're there for. That and, there, and there's a reason for that, right? We don't want them to stray too far from that because right. the association has likely spent some time to build that voice and that. Um, that knowledge within the membership of who they stand for. So how do you use that Insta crew, but also stay true to the brand um, through some of that control? Yeah, it, it, that's a, a great thing to consider. Um, I think it's really important to onboard your uh, folks that you're going to have doing some of that content for you so that they know the brand, they know the brand voice, they know keywords that are important for you to use. They know what the, you know, your key objectives are with your social media strategy. So, you know, if it's getting more nurses certified or if it's 
um, creating awareness for more courses that you're offering online. Whatever those initiatives are, I think it's just really important to make sure folks are informed about what you're wanting this uh, social media efforts to do, while at the same time giving them a little bit of flexibility to say it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, you know, something we learned with BC and Instacrew, we tried to start out and give them kind of the content we wanted them to post about. And it just felt like, you know, these 12 people were all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel authentic. Um, so we learned from that. We pivoted. We said, okay, we're just going to kind of tell you what we want you to talk about over the course of the next couple months. You know, you take and talk about it in a way that's relevant and real in the world that you live in. Um, you know, we want to see photos from your experience, um, you know, flying uh, on a helicopter to the scene of an accident and how your certification has helped you be prepared for that moment. Mm-hmm. That means so much more than, you know, us writing a script for you to say that. So I do think just training them and onboarding them, monitoring what they're doing, uh, while at the same time giving them some flexibility to uh, speak on your behalf. Fantastic. So almost just kind of like, I always like to make analogies to help me understand some of these things. So it's almost like going bowling with the bumper, um, you know, the bumper things in, right? So I'm still going to ultimately get to the end of the lane, but there's something there to help guide me to get me down there. Yep, absolutely. That's awesome. You you know, it sounds like we're kind of, again, going down this, using that group as the influencer there. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you know, the reason we want to use them is because it seems like our consumers trust influencers more than they do us. Right. But at some level, I'm also the person who works for the association every single day. So why, or where do you think it comes from in terms of this trust that's automatically given to the influencer or the other peer member um, that might be doing some of these things? Yeah. Uh, You know, I think it's a bit of a a psychology uh, with this Gen Gen Z generation that really just um, has grown up with a device in their hands, you know, from the very beginning of of their young lives and, you know, have just um, naturally trusted anything and everything that they find on the internet, which is somewhat scary for sure. (laughs) Um, Those of us that are not Gen Zers are like, Um, but I think there's a bit of that is just, they've grown up with that. They um, follow these influencers that, you know, use hashtags for, you know, areas of topics of interest for them. And they just kind of get into feeling like they're a part of those people's lives. So I think that's, you know, what influencers can bring to the table. I think in member associations, it, it's really that user generated content that is, it's real, you know, yes, you might work for the association, but are you actually someone that's, you know, worked in the profession or been, in the same position as those other members. Um, So I think hearing from someone that you truly see as a peer um, or someone you respect just makes it makes a difference. Um, We we all know that people want to learn from their peers. um, And so it's just a way to be able to live that out through social. Now, I don't think all of your content should come from influencers. Certainly, you know, the brand has to have its own content um, as well. But I think you can intermix uh, content from influencers or, or, or members. We can just call them, you know, really engaged members um, 
to, to make the content also just have that relevancy to it. In that, in that balance that you're talking about between association branded or kind of sponsored content and the influencer member content, what's that balance look like you think with really successful groups? Yeah. I mean, I still think the brand should lead. I think, you know, ultimately it's important that, you know, people associate the content that you're putting out there, the blogs, the helpful tools and resources, the events, the, um, you know, webinars, all those things. We still want them to associate those with our brand. So it's really important that that drives um, things. So, I mean, if I had to give it a, a breakdown of percentage, you know, 75% brand, 25%, you know, influencer member generated content, but, you know, that's probably going to be different based on different associations and what your member breakdown looks like and those kinds of things. Um, but I do think it's important that the brand be represented there at all times. Yeah. Fantastic. One other thing you brought up in um, the your last answer that I'm just generally intrigued by um, are hashtags. So is there a, I just feel like sometimes it's people just add, right? It's because <laughs> I think when you use it, especially Instagram, maybe for personal use, and I think it's got to start probably on Twitter more so than anything, yep. but it kind of became just add whatever stream of consciousness word that I think even sort of relates to the post that I'm making. Um, but is there a good way to approach that as a strategy for an association? Absolutely. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. Hashtags evolved from um, Twitter where they were actually really useful because you could follow a stream of a topic, um, which is really what they are. They're basically a good way to search social media. So you think think of them as the Google of of the social platforms. Um, And then they evolved to people being silly and funny and just trying to make hashtags funny. Um, But I think where they have come to is that, you know, they really are helpful for someone who's interested in a particular topic to be able to follow people who are also talking about that same topic. Um, So we always work with all of our clients to really hone in on what are those key hashtags that are related to your industry either ones that, you know, you're able to provide good, helpful content about or keywords that the industry is known for, um, keywords that people in your membership are going to be seeking content about and make sure that you're tagging all of your posts with that. Um, So we kind of have like a set, any post should have these hashtags with it. And then if we post something about this you know, particular subject within our industry, we add this hashtag. Um, So I think doing a bit of research, I mean, there are tools out there that allow you to see what the followings are of those hashtags, how often they're used, what engagement looks like with those hashtags. So doing a bit of that research up front is is helpful. Um, But then you can kind of build your set list and then you just add those uh, accordingly. I really like that strategy of kind of that. It's almost like boilerplate, right? Like this is what we put and then we can customize it to the specific need that we might have for the post. Yeah. I think that's a great way to grow membership too, um, to reach some non-members and new prospective members that maybe haven't heard of you or have, don't know the, the relevant content that you can provide. If you're showing up on hashtags that they're following and not just showing up by pushing your own content, but actually engaging in the conversation with that hashtag. So 
you know, that you also as an organization follow that hashtag. And as you see other people posting really great content about that hashtag, you're commenting, you're saying, wow, that was a great article or love that bit of advice or, you know, that you're engaging in the conversation as well. Um, Again, that's what social media was started as, is as a platform for engagement, not just one-way communication. So Mm -hmm. I think um, that's the other great thing that I think associations could do better at is not just posting and saying, okay, great. Check that off my list. I got those posts done for the month. Um, But also finding a way to engage in the conversation. Um, And even if that's a couple of times a week to just, you know, Mm -hmm. um, comment on some posts that are happening in the space where you want to be known for. And in that moment, is it responding as the association brand or is it responding as the Mm -hmm. personal, you know, is it my personal LinkedIn or is it the the association LinkedIn that I'm responding from? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's value in both. I think anything where, you know, you're trying to recruit some new members, um, associating that with the association brand is really important. So they start to recognize like, oh, this association is involved. They're, you know, they're taking part here. But I think there's also people want to be connected to people. So Mm -hmm. if they can start to see both the brand association name and a a person or people um, associated with that association, I think that just only goes to help build and strengthen uh, the brand. So you mentioned earlier, right, that there are new platforms that weren't even here a year ago. So Clubhouse is an example. Uh, and I got an invite to that finally, and I've tried to explore it. And I don't know if this is just me starting to get old or not, but I was like, I don't really get this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Um, because I did, I wanted to explore it right for, okay, would I potentially want one of my associations to use this platform in some way? So as we explore all these new platforms that are out there, What are some of the key metrics that an association or the marketing professional needs to be thinking about before we just jump on board with whatever that new platform is? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the most important thing to do is to really truly understand who your target audience is and where they're spending their time currently, where they're getting information from socially for their profession or for, you know, their career currently that you can be most helpful. Um, And I don't think, uh, I think the important thing with that is we all have our perceptions. Um, A a common saying at Willow is, you know, association staff and board are inside the jar of the association's brand. Um, But getting outside the jar and seeing the perspective of the label from your members is super important. So just, just like that, it's really important to get out there and understand from your members where they're spending time, where they want to receive information from you. Um, So surveying them, asking them what platforms they're on, what type of content, how often they want to hear from you, um, how they use different social platforms. I think those are all things that will help you make a more informed decision than to just say, well, you know, I'm personally on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. So those are probably the three we should be on. Mm -hmm. And Twitter is so annoying. I can't do Twitter. Um, you know, you really do need to get the perspective of your membership to understand where you should be. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, then each, each platform has a little bit different of a focus, a little bit of a different delivery. Um, you know, Facebook's more friends and family and, 
um, you know, kind of general content sharing. Instagram, as I talked about earlier, is shifting more into this entertainment platform. Um, Twitter is is quick news, um, behind the scenes information, quick and timely. So, you know, understanding what's going to fit with the type of content and information that you have to share also is important. Um, you know, if you can't keep up with Twitter and you're only posting once a week there, it's probably not worth it. You're probably not going to see a lot of engagement there. So I think understanding where your audience is, is first and foremost, the most important thing, the type of content that they're wanting, the type of content you can provide. Um, and then ultimately you've got to look at the KPIs that actually matter. Mm. Like if you get more likes, does that actually increase your membership? Is that driving non-dues revenue for you? Is that you know, the, what are you looking for social to help you accomplish as an association and, you know, back it out from there. If you're wanting to drive more non-dues revenue to your webinars or conference attendees or those kinds of things, um, let's figure out where it makes most sense for us to actually be to accomplish that. I think that is the best question we've come up with so far today. What is social trying to accomplish for your association? Because I think if we can't even answer that question, we really got to restart this strategy, right? Because if, to your point, I can't even say if it's to get me more members or to increase my my sponsorship levels or my non-dues revenue or whatever is out there, if I can't even communicate that, then the whole strategy, I think, at the very beginning is flawed. Right. You're absolutely right. Social is just another, um, it's another piece under that whole marketing umbrella. Um, and so it's got to align up to the bigger picture of what your organization is trying to accomplish. Otherwise, you're just checking a box because everyone else does social. And so you should probably do social, too. Mm-hmm. It's got to work for you. Otherwise, you shouldn't be spending your time and effort and energy. I mean, you've only got so much of it within an association. So it's got to work for you to drive results. And that's back to your kind of less is more concept, right? So if we can do one platform really well we might, that might be the best option then for us to just stay on that platform. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that conversation makes a lot of sense for the association professionals around the table, right? We can say, hey, we can't spend time doing all that. What are maybe some strategies that you would recommend to approach a board, mm-hmm. um, you know, or a board member? Obviously, we're not like for-profit companies um, in some, in many respects, but we, we have a board member who suddenly says, hey, I heard about this clubhouse thing. I want us on it now. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we how do we approach that conversation with with them? Yes, I have been a part of many of those <laughs> conversations where a board member says, you know, why aren't we on Instagram? It's my favorite platform. Um, and I think it all comes back to that research. You've got to make sure that you can back that decision Um that it fits with your strategy, that your members are actually going to be there, that it's actually going to drive results for you, um, and that you can actually fulfill the time and commitment that it takes to run that. Because um, it's not a it's not a a quick thing to be able to you know create and post content that takes time and energy. So I always um, you know encourage our our clients who get that kind of feedback from boards is well let's do our research. Let's, you know, go back to our members. Let's look at the trends um, and let's go see if they're right. Like, should we be there? Um, and 
go back and make the case either way to say, you know, you're, you're right. That's actually how BCEN got on Instagram was they had the board saying our, you know, certification candidates are younger and younger. We've got to be mm-hmm. where they are. Um, and, you know, as a marketing team, they were kind of like, oh man, we're already busy. How do we mm-hmm. add another social platform? And we said, well, we've got, maybe we just need to scale down a little bit of our Facebook um, work and scale up our Instagram. Uh, but we did take the time to do our due diligence to actually make sure that platform made sense for us. Um, and I think that's that's the most important thing um, I can encourage association folks to do is to just do their research and go back and present their case to the board backed by data. Um, hopefully boards will respect that you've taken the time to you know, do that research and make an educated and informed decision about it. As we start to think about the kinds of messages that we send on the different platforms, how how do you recommend segmenting our membership? You know, I think with when we think about emails, right, it's like really easy to say, I want to send this email message to list A and not list B, or I want to send it to list A. And if they click this link, I want them to go to, you know, A.1 or A.2. How do we start to segment our uh, and really, I think on the channels, right, it's more the followers, right? How do we segment the the messages that we're sending there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think um, it, it's going to take a little bit of that research. It goes back to learning a bit from who your followers even are um, and making sure you have a good understanding of who is following you on Instagram versus who's following you on LinkedIn and what type of content they are engaging with or, or aren't engaging with. Um You know, we did some association research here recently where we did some attitudinal segmentation. Um, You've probably heard Brad Gillum, our owner, speak about that. And he found that the folks that were following social the most closely were those that we called the change seekers and the leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And those folks are the ones that are most likely from our research to be engaged with social content. Um, and so knowing that, you know, a little bit more that the change seekers and the leaders, we know some things about those types of people and what kind of content they're looking for. Um, we can do some AB testing for our posts and see what, you know, what does get more engagement, what Mm -hmm. drives people to click through and actually sign up to attend a webinar. Um, what drives someone to, um, take on a volunteer role. Um, so I do think research, um, both specifically to your association is, is helpful. I've now said research like (laughs) times because I definitely think, you know, even some simple research, it doesn't have to be this big over the top, um, research campaigns that you have to do, but just understanding and then using industry research that's available, like the, um, attitudinal segmentation survey that we've done, um, that can help people just be more informed about the type of content people are looking for on those different platforms. Yeah. And I highly encourage uh, listeners to reach out to Willow. uh, If you all are willing to share that, that content with them, that attitudinal research, you know, I sat in in a session recently about that and it was just very cool to listen to. I think the neatest part of it was that each of the attitudes that you're you're providing, right, exist at every age range. And I think that kind of throws in the face of what some folks are saying, right? Like, oh, those millennials and those Gen Z kids, you know, they don't, they don't do this. They don't even read emails. They're only on this. But I think that thinking about it from that attitudinal perspective can help shift um, 
And I, and I know you may have said research a lot, but I think it's extremely important. Data-driven decision-making is helpful. And I think to even my question of the board, right, being able to go back to them and say, here's why we don't post that way anymore, because it didn't work. When we changed our posts to this instead, we got those webinar registrations, we got sponsorship purchases, right? So really being able to uh, to back that up. But yeah, definitely listeners, check out that attitudinal survey. I was hoping you were going to bring it up um, selfishly because it is a really fantastic research. Yeah, happy to share with anyone. Um, we've got it posted on our website and we're actually doing a new survey that we're releasing at ASAE um, here in a couple of weeks for 2021. So get some of their post-pandemic um attitudes. And we're also learning about um, opinions towards diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion, and how folks are expecting associations to respond to that too. So definitely some good stuff there. Awesome. Thank you, Kim. Any any other kind of just general tips, maybe? Um, Some of the things, obviously, that you've learned over the last 15 years in managing some of the communications or social media um, strategy that you know, if a, if a current marketing professional did this one thing, right, here's, it would change their, their workload, their work experience. Yeah, let's see. Um, maybe a couple of things we haven't talked about yet. Um, I mean, use the resources that are out there that can help streamline the amount of time and effort and energy you have to spend on social. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, the hard part is actually like putting the content together Um, The scheduling and all of that stuff shouldn't be the hard part. Um, So use a tool like Hootsuite or Sprout Social. Later is a new one that we've started using. Um, So using those tools, I think when you're down to a couple people on a team in charge of doing this, make use of those. I think repurposing content. I mean, we all spend a lot of time and effort and energy to put together great content for our members, whether that be blogs or white papers or webinars. Um, Don't just use that one time. I mean, if you post a webinar, that can be used five or six, seven, eight more times. Um, It can be little pieces of nuggets of content that you pull out and post on social. Um, It could be a white paper. You could transcribe that video and put it on your website as a blog. Um, So I think people sometimes feel like they have to constantly be coming up with new, fresh, content um, and that every follower sees every post that you post. Mm. That is not true. Um, so <laughs> It's interesting you say that. I had a member actually, um, I mean, this was three months ago, maybe. And he said, you know, I didn't see the email. I didn't see the Facebook, but I saw that LinkedIn message that said there was an event tomorrow and I signed up, but I'm a little frustrated that I didn't see it on all those other places. And I responded, well, that's why we post it in all those places, right? Because we know our members are busy and you're not going to see every post. No, they're not going to see it uh, partly on their own end and partly because the algorithm's just not mm. going to show it to them all the time either. So you may post the same blog, you know, three times over a year um, with different headlines, different, you know, calls to action. And, you know, that same user may have seen all three of those, but you just didn't draw them in on that one. So I think, um, Knowing associations have limited time and resources, repurposing content, and as you produce a piece of content, thinking about all the ways that you could repurpose that um, for different ways that it could go on social, I think is one 
time-saving hack um, that I would encourage. We didn't talk much about um, the analytics that are available Hmm. with um, social platforms, but I think that's an area that many of the social platforms are doing much better for brands uh, to have a better understanding of the analytics of their social following. Um, I think it's also important to use things like UTMs so that you can um, actually understand if the content that you are posting on social is driving those, those KPIs, those, the traffic and the conversions that you're looking for. Can you tell Um, me what a UTM is? Yeah. And that's, um, so if you have a campaign, say that you're doing a member recruitment campaign and you're going to use lots of different communication mediums to try to recruit someone. So you're going to send them some emails. You might send them a printed piece. You might have a webinar and you're going to do social posts. So those will all be kind of lumped into a campaign. You might not know right now where those new members came from. Did they hear from you on the printed piece? Did they listen to the webinar? The UTM allows you to kind of lump a campaign in um, and then specify which medium they got there from. So you can build a UTM with a campaign and then a specific medium. So it's a way to kind of set that up. Um, Google allows you to do that for free and go Mm -hmm. their kind of platform and just kind of build your UTM structure. Um, And then you can monitor on the back end of it and see which of these UTMs, which of these, you know, the one that has, um, you know, the webinar or the one that has the social Facebook posts or the paid Facebook campaign. And then you can see which, which one's driving conversions for you, which one's ultimately working so that the next time you go and do a membership recruitment campaign, you know that, um, you know, paid Facebook ads really worked last time. So maybe we don't need to do a webinar because that Mm -hmm. didn't drive any traffic for us. So let's, let's focus more of our efforts here. Um, so I think UTMs are something that are underutilized right now with, with social um, and just overall campaigns and associations. So I think that's something that's free, easy for people to set up. Um, and it just gives you a lot of data on the back end that makes you more informed for um, how to spend your time and resources. That's great. One final question for you. Uh, and I always like to think about this for a lot of association, any kind of sector um, or kind of vertical, but what can we be learning from the for-profit world right now? What are the things that we can pull from what they're doing? Again, maybe not at the same scale, <laughs> uh, but what can we what can we kind of um, pull and replicate on our side? Yeah, I think the big brands um, and even not big brands, but the brands that do social really well have captured how to make social fit with their brand persona, their brand mm-hmm. personality. So it just, when you see a post from a brand that does social really well to tie it back to their brand, you just feel that feel. I mean, if you follow Disney, for example, I mean, Disney has the, the brand archetype of being a magician brand, you know, mm-hmm. and every time you experience anything with Disney, you go on site, you see a commercial, you watch a movie that's Disney. It's magical. Um, same thing with their social content. It's, it's magical. It's almost, you know, makes you feel like you're, you're there experiencing the magic of Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what 
big brands do really well is they make their social fit with their brand voice and personality. And it just, it gives you that experience that they want you to experience with their brand. Um, And so I think that's something that associations can certainly learn from is, you know, what, who is our brand personality and who's our brand archetype? What do we, what do we want people to feel and think when they see a social post from our brand? And is the way that we're doing that, do, you know, doing that. And it's, it's not just the, the images or the videos that we post, it's the tone and, um, you know, colors and all those things that'll make people feel the way you want them to feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is always interesting. I, I think I've referred to it as the voice of the association, right? You want to be able to know that that's a consistent feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I think when I think about some of the big brands that are out there, that there's some that are on social that I just come to expect to know this is how they're going to talk about that thing that they're, yeah they're posting about. Yeah. Or you just see one second of a video and you know, it's a target video, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, like you just, um, it's the, the music they use. It's the, you know, consistency in brand elements. Um, and I think that's something that is doable for associations. Um, just having a good sense of what you want every single social interaction to make, how you want it to make someone feel. Absolutely. Well, Kim, thank you for spending some time with me today. I This was very insightful for me and I don't even work in marketing, um, but I think from a membership perspective, even this provides just a lot of really good things to, to think about. Um, as our listeners may look to get some more information, how can they find you on the social platforms? Yeah. Uh, how can they, they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I am on them all just, uh, keeping and monitoring them. I don't, I sometimes just creep on, you know, TikTok and Snapchat. <laughs> I don't actually engage there, but LinkedIn is definitely uh best place to reach me professionally and always feel free to email me just Kim at willowmarketing.com. Uh, love to talk about social and how associations can make that work hard for them to actually, you know, make some, Uh, make some of their goals come to life through social. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org. 